0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Corta Linhas podcast. I'm your host, Zach Lowy, and I'm here today with a really special guest, Luis Silva, who is the admin of B24PT, one of the biggest football based Twitter accounts in Portugal. Really excited to have him on today. We're going to be discussing a lot today. How are you doing, Luis?
1: Uh, hello everyone. Thanks Zach for the invite. It's a it's a pleasure to be here talking about uh, Portuguese football with you. Well, I'm uh, a little bit about me. I'm 21 years old. I i the admin, as you said of the B24 in Portuguese, one of the biggest uh, football communities in in Portugal and I'm very happy to be here talking with you.
0: Absolutely. Very good account. Definitely uh, make sure to check out both Luis's personal account as well as B24, both, both really interesting accounts. So we're going to discuss uh, all the action in the Primeira as usual, but I want to start off by getting your take on one of the most controversial subjects in Portuguese football right now, uh, which, which are obviously a lot, but, but one of the most controversial subjects right now is the Cartao de Adeptos. Talk to me a little bit about the Cartao de Adeptos, and, and what is your opinion on it?
1: Well about cartão do I don't think controversial is the is the right word because almost everyone is against the the cartel so maybe it's just a stupid thing Basically it's a way for the government and the liga to identify the the ultras who usually attend to to the matches I I gather some info so you basically have to register in a website and uh, with your Basic uh, information like name, age, uh, your address, your basically the, the information that is on your ID card or your passport, and uh, your your information gets registered in the database. So you can and you are identified when you you attend matches. The most of fans here in Portugal are against uh, the cartando Adept because it uh, restricts people of their their liberty. As it looks like uh, all fans are criminal and. The government needs to, needs to know the names and their address and everything about the, the fans who, who just only want to support their team. Overall, I'm, I'm against the, the carton because it's only available to people over 16 years old. So kids want to support their teams in the, in the ultra stand, just can't and it. It's, it's stupid. So obviously if you if you didn't understand uh, at this point i time against this this cartundo adapt sync.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Controversial probably wasn't the right word given the fact that I don't think I, I know a single person in Portugal who uh who supports this. So um but but thank you for your take. It is it is a very uh bizarre strategy, I think, by by Portugal. So
1: we'll see well, what happens. But yeah, actually, there is some some Porto fans, the the Dragoins Dragons, who ha- who have all the the cards on the and their take is that uh, it's the only way for them to be in the in the stands, which is not true because Sporting fans, Benfica fans, also other Porto fans and other other clubs fans have. F- Kept their support in other stands, but, but they are against the, the Cartel. So, super dragoish, shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> very, very interesting as well. And um, if you guys
0: didn't know, Luis is a Porto fan. So, obviously, we'll be talking a ton about Porto. Been a while since we had a Porto fan on. So, so definitely excited to be talking about the, the, the Dragoish. But, yeah, starting off, a lot of action in this six-match day. Plenty of nail-biting fixtures, few games. That we're just going to discuss briefly. Beleninch side, Gil Vicente. This was an interesting game. Beleninch taking the lead in the 83rd minute. And Gil Vicente, though, grinding out a draw via a, a free kick goal from substitute Georgi Aburjania. So that, that was an interesting fixture. We also saw Femali Co. grinding out a stalemate um, at home against Marichimo. It was, you know, I would say a pretty similar similar game to to a lot of the Famalico fixtures, just on paper. 56% possession for Famalico, 14 shots compared to Marichimo's two shots, four shots on target compared to zero, and yet still a stalemate. Um, real quick, Luis, are, are you worried at all about Famalico? Obviously they they had a bit of a they spent most of last season fighting relegation. Currently in the relegation playoff spot with three points from their first six games and level uh, with Murinic, uh Belenic's side, as well as Tondela on three points.
1: Well, from what I've seen uh, from the Family almarit match, it was a, a really disappointing result for, for Fama. I guess they, they play really well, mainly in big games. We, we saw that against Porto, against Sporting. But they, they lack something in, in getting the results. Uh, I really like uh, Ivo Vieira and uh, I hope he, he does well at Famalicom. But then again, I think that if they don't find a way to get results in these home matches where they have uh, lots of possession, lots of, of chances, I, I reckon they, they can sort of have a relegation fight. And uh, I, I, I really like Ivan Jaim, by the way. I, so I hope he does well too. <laughs> Ivan Jaime, another great uh,
0: young player on Fama, who I, I definitely think has what it takes to be one of the revelations of the season. Malikau taking on Penafiel on Wednesday in the test of the Liga uh, before a relegation six-pointer against Tondela on Saturday. be interesting to see what happens with that game. Another draw we saw was Vizela going up against Passos G. Ferreira. Pasos going down to 10 men early on via red card from Elder Ferreira. Vizela, newly promoted team, uh, taking the lead right before halftime via Gil-Hermi, Uh Chetín. And Pasos Civejeda, though, equalizing right after halftime via a goal from Denilson. Very nice goal. Definitely, definitely check it out. So overall, you know, not, not a great result from Pasos, who finished fifth, currently ninth in the league, whereas Bizela, newly promoted Vizela, doing fairly well, just two points behind Pasos. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. One thing I will say, though, about this game is it became known after uh, the 1-1 draw that a Vizela fan had racially abused Douglas Tanque, Brazilian striker, um, and called him a monkey right when he was uh, about to come on for Danielson, the goal scorer. And the police quickly found the the, the racist fan and uh, withdrew him from the stadium. So obviously there there is still a ton of work that needs to be done in Portugal with, with kicking out racism in stadiums. But overall I think this is definitely a positive step. And and frankly, if, if Portugal can do it, other other leagues with plenty more money like England, Spain, Italy, can definitely do it as well. There, there's just no excuse for this. And and frankly, I think that withdrawing the fan, it only goes so far for me, it should be it should be a permanent stadium ban. Any any thoughts on this or 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 the Passos uh, P- Passos's
1: current form, Luis. Well, first about the the match. Uh, I think Passos will will have a mid-table finish this season, and uh, well, th- their squad is is good, but they, I guess, they won't achieve the. The place of, of last season, and, and I hope Vizela stays up because uh, they look like a really run club. And uh, and uh, although I don't know very much about their their squad, I like their their manager, and it's very charismatic. About the the racism incident, when I, I saw the news, I was I I was really surprised because there was a situation where the police acted so quickly, removing the the fans from the stands, and even more surprisingly, that happened in Portugal, where cases. Like we we saw in twenty twenty, the Maraga case got uh, so much time to be solved and uh, and so on. Well, it's, it's it was a good thing to to have that um, from the police, and I hope uh, it doesn't happen in the future because it would mean that uh, there was no more racism in, in football in overall. But uh, it's an uh, example for other leagues and other countries to to look on.
0: Absolutely, definitely agree. Uh, definitely check out the Danielson goal, though, to to, to level the scoreline. Really nice chip uh, over Vizilla goalkeeper Charles. But but overall, it, it has been a bit interesting. I mean, I didn't expect Pasos to, to eliminate Tottenham. Currently uh, ninth in the league, despite not many big departures, apart from Bruno Costa, who joined uh, Porto after his loan. Um, I think that they have held on to enough players to the point where they should be in the European spots once again. But we'll see what happens.
1: They they kept uh, Ustakio, which is, was a right. surprise for me. I, I thought he would uh,
0: would move to a, a bigger club. Ustakio, right? Losing Luther Singh, who was also on loan, but getting keeping hold of Ustakio as well as you know, like of Marco Baixinho, Douglas Tanque, I think that they've got they've got a, a lot of quality in that squad. We'll we'll see what happens. But the the sixth match day of the Primera. Getting kicked off by a really fun match uh, between Portimonense and Santa Clara. I believe this was Portimonense's first home game. I, I think that actual home game, I believe their previous uh, stadium was under construction. Um, but yeah, playing Santa Clara and winning 2 to 1 um, via two goals from Willington Aponza uh, and Lucas Fernandez. Santa Clara evening the score scoreline right after Aponza's goal. Uh, via Rui Costa, but uh, Portimonense getting the lead um, right before halftime. The goal from Lucas Fernandes and the way it currently Portimonense sixth in the league, just one point behind uh, Braga in fifth place. Uh, I gotta say, you know, despite despite losing Beto on on deadline day, this is a team that I think Paulo Sergio has has clicking on all cylinders uh, to be sixth in the league after, after six match days. It is, it is quite impressive. And I think that you have to give credit to both the coach as well as a lot of these players, such as Lucas Fernandes, who for me is one of the most underrated attacking midfielders in Portugal. I think that he, his, he almost was overshadowed by Beto's breakthrough season last campaign. But just a fantastic performance against the Asurianos. Uh Talk to me about this Porto team as well as uh, your thoughts on uh, Lucas Fernandes.
1: Well, I agree with you. I think this Portimonial squad and uh, Paulo Sergio itself, it's going a bit under the radar and I, I guess it will be a, a good surprise this season. Um, about Lucas Fernandes, I don't watch Portimonial that often, but uh, I think alongside uh, Nakajima, uh, Lucas can become the, the main star for them after the, the sale of Beto to, to Dines. He has a great vision, passing range, and uh, controls the the midfielder, the, the midfield. When Portugal tries to play from the back, he usually drops deep to pick the ball from the center backs. But um, uh, in my opinion, he lacks some and product for uh, a number ten in terms of, of goals. Although the 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 two goals he scored in twenty twenty. Uh, were, were very good and these goals against Santa Clara was a, a good one too. I don't see I don't see Lucas Fernandes getting the the contract at uh at a, a Benfica a Sport or a, a, a Porto but uh, I would have been surprised to see him playing for like a, a Guimarães or a, or, a, or a Braga for example.
0: Absolutely. One player as well who definitely caught my eye was Willington Aponza. Um Aponza, a Colombian striker who uh, who joined uh, Portimonense from um forgot what team it was but 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 has really stepped into the uh, t- stepped into the departure of Beto and who, who joined uh, Udinese on on deadline day obviously has, has really flourished um has he, he actually has a had a better start uh, to the season than Beto, um, statistically. Um, and I think that really we need to we need to take a look at this kid. He wasn't just good for the for the goal, but but also in terms of linking up um and hesitating and and and, and providing the assist for Lucas Fernandez's goal. Um Aponzo though coming from America de Cali. And you know, it seemed like the the plan was to to just gradually bet him into the team, have him play for the U twenty three side in the Liga Revelacao But Beto's departure uh, really had has seen Aponza become a key player under Paulo Sergio, um, and uh, and and really just step into this uh, to this vacancy at 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 center forward. Um, we know how how much business is done between porto and portimolanche i don't know do you see aponza getting a big move potentially to porto soon
1: well i don't know i don't know him very very much but uh it's not a surprise that Colombians do well at Portugal. <laughs> so it wouldn't be also a surprise if, uh, if we moved to Porto because he has all the, the ingredients to, to be here sometime. <laughs> Nothing
0: quite like uh, Porto with, with Colombians. I mean, Porto have also a history with, with Mexican players, but I would argue even, even more with Colombian players. You know, Jackson Martinez, Falcao, Hamas Rodriguez, uh, and now arguably the best player in the league right now. Uh, Which we'll talk about in a little bit, Um, but just real quick before we move on to another game, how concerned should we be with Santa Clara? Um, Currently hovering above the relegation zone with four points from their first six games, and it really does seem like the the departure of Carlos Junior has left a massive uh, and massive hole in attack that that just is not being filled right now. Ah uh, So much inefficiency and just poor decision making. I think that they had enough occasions to win this match, let alone draw it. but you can clearly see how much how much uh, Carlos jr's departure is is hurting them uh, should we Should we be concerned with Santa
1: Clara? Well, last season for Santa Clara, I guess it was obviously an overperforming one. Although they had and have some some interesting players. But this season was always going to be a, a different one. First, they don't have uh, Fabio Cardoso, which I, I don't rate at all. And I don't think <laughs> he has the capacity to play for Porto. But I can't ignore his overall good performances last season. It was he was very consistent and doing a, a good job at the back. Also losing Carlos Jr. after the, the start of the season, it was it was very very bad for for Santa Clara, but they kept Moriba and uh, and they got uh, Luis Felipe Alun, which I which I would like to see back to to his best. I don't think they will be in a, in a relegation fight, but they they won't achieve more than a, a mid table finish. I think.
0: Definitely agree. K- keeping hold of Ida Mas Morita very important for them. Um, Luis Felipe, It'll be interesting to see how he does, though. I mean, obviously joined Sporting on the back of an impressive uh, season that Paso Sampaio. Now, now at Santa Clara with the task of of of, of, of filling that hole in attack. Uh, going to be interesting to see how he does for Daniel Ramos's side. Um, moving on, though. Moving on to to the next match. I want to talk about. Uh, obviously, we need to we need to discuss your team. Uh, FC Porto Porto picking up a 5-0 victory over Murrench. so just just a few days prior to this match we saw Porto uh, grinding out a stalemate um, at the Wanda Metropolitano Um, personally I felt like it was a bit unlucky for Porto as opposed to Atletico Um, I thought that they They were a bit unlucky with the refereeing decisions. And I I really think that Chancel Mbemba's expulsion at the end of the game was, was, was honestly a joke. Um, But, but, you know, moving on to the Porto game against Mourin, we saw quite a few rotations um, in this lineup from Sergio Conceição. I I think, you know, right, right from the get-go, when I saw this Porto lineup, I'm like, I was like, Ooh, this is, this is going to be tasty. There, there, are some, there are quite a few, uh, quite a few interesting ones. Um, obviously, Sergio Conceicao has typically gone with a 4-4-2 during his time at Porto. But this game against, against uh, Morrinche at home, we saw him heavily rotate and going for a 4-2-3-1. So Tony Martinez, um, obviously unavailable after his, his, previous, um, his previous sending off against against sporting um so Taremi spearheading the attack as usual in the 4231 Otavio and luis diaz once again starting on the wings um and as well as we saw uh, fabio vieira playing in almost a 10 role uh, as as kind of the central attacking midfielder mateo souribe partnering vitinha um vitinha um, starting ahead of starting ahead of summer signing Marco Grucic. Um, and we also saw Wendell, another summer signing from from Bayer Leverkusen, um, getting the nod at left back over zaidu Sanusi. Um, and yeah, talk to me about uh, talk to me about these rotations. I think I also forgot Pepe, who, who I believe was injured uh, for this match. He was out, and, and as such, Ivan Marcano started over him. Um, talk to me about, about, about these rotations, though. It, it worked pretty well, didn't they?
1: Well, it was game of the season for me. <laughs> uh, both beating and Fabio Vieira in that midfield were, were class. I obviously don't expect them to start all matches of the season, but uh, against these lower-table teams like Mori Rens, especially playing at home, in Dragao, they, they should always always start, in my opinion. The way Vitinga controls the midfield, its passing range and its positioning awareness both in attacking and defensive duties are, in my opinion, second to none in, in Porto Porto squad. Also, if I had to choose the, the midfield pair to start the majority of the, the games, it would be definitely this one, Uribe and, uh, and Vitinga. But in the games like, um, but in games like this, you also need the the vision, the ability to break down defensive lines, and the the ability to create big chances of of Fabio Vieira one hundred percent. But in Champions League games against Liverpool, Atletico, Milan, Fabio Vieira loses off possession mainly before the the attacking midfield could uh, could hurt Porto. So. I, I won't be surprised to see Greek starting uh, against Liverpool or uh, Benfica or, or sporting. But as I said in in these matches where <laughs> where the, the the opposition defends with 11 players, Fabi Vieira and Vitinha could and should start as there are no players like uh, like them in the in this squad. One thing I I, I like about Fabi Vieira too is that can that he's on his way to become a an end product machine. He was a bit lazy and not of the match in the first half, but then he went and made three assists like like nothing. He also has three goals and one more assist in like uh, I guess a uh, few my notes nine hundred first minutes, which is very impressive for a for a, a, a young kid like like him. About Vendel, Uh when you had Zaidu, Manafau, or even Marcano playing at left back for over a season, <laughs> obviously a Bundesliga experience left back like like Vandal will look like a prime Roberto Carlos for for the fans. But in my opinion, he do, he did good against uh, against Athletic in the, in the second half and against Merengues, he had much much work to do. Attacking-wise, I believe he's obviously not uh, 100% adapted to, to Sergio Conceição's routines and uh, and he'll only get better, so he will obviously start the next matches. Absolutely agree with,
0: with regards to Vitinha and Fabio. For me, you know, both of those players should be starting for Porto. I'm not saying they will, because this is Sergio Conceição we're talking about, but... Um I think that looking at you know their performances in the U21 Euros both so crucial to 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 leading Portugal to the final um Fabio Vieira I think that is his capacity for you know that final ball is is just so impressive um the only issue though is is if you put these two together one you need a defensive midfielder right I think that um I think that going back to Sofia Sofia Oliveira, right? Pop, popular Portuguese pundit, who, who who had, I think, in her for, in her preferred Porto lineup, like both of them, the double pivot, and um and and a lot of people were getting at her but, and saying like, "Gimme kid the right? Like, who is who's it? Who's who's defending? Right? <laughs> um. So and I and I, I agree with with them. I think that that's that's a bit too lightweight. Um. To to be playing in the same double pivot, I think you need either Uribe or Grujic uh, partnering Vitinha. But, you know, the more I see them play, the more I'm thinking that that Conte Sao should should switch up to either a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1. Obviously, it's hard to drop Tony Martinez given his impressive start to the season. But, I don't know. I think that the potential is there for a really nice team with a 4-2-3-1, Uribe or Grujic partnering Vitinha, and potentially Otavio or or Tecatito, probably Otavio on the right flank, um, as well as Luis Diaz on the left. Um, is Diaz is, is Luis Diaz, I mean Diaz is obviously getting another brace against Morrinch and just proving how good he is. Is he the best player in Portugal for you right now,
1: or no? That's an easy question. <laughs> obviously, he is. <laughs> uh, I really like Luis Diaz and the uh, in the last few months, he, he improved the one thing he was lacking in the first season here in Porto, that it's uh, finishing and, uh, and his end product. So from from now, he only destroyed everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, what a, what a phenomenal player. Uh, Just such a joy to watch. I mentioned this before, but I really do think that we could be seeing something similar to Luis Suarez, right? Who who was close to joining Arsenal, ended up staying at Liverpool and, and had a phenomenal season. Next season goes to Barcelona. I think that we could honestly see Diaz get a move to maybe not Barcelona given their financial difficulties, but Bayern, uh, Real Madrid, a club of that stature. He, He is really that good. um, so, yeah, really f- phenomenal performance uh, from, from the team. Just a quick word on Mourinic, though. Um, you know, it has not been an easy start to the season for them um, under, under Joao Henriquez. Currently 15th, um, lost a bit of a heartbreaking match to, to Braga. Drew against Berenic's side. Um, after which the Belenich side president, Mourinho Pedro Suárez, said that they were going to be relegated at the end of the season, Um, which, you know, that in itself is a a bit ridiculous. Um, But how worried are you about Mourinho under João Enriquez?
1: About João I I really like what he did at uh, Santa Clara, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I think he is a, a good manager with some good ideas, but uh, I don't see the, the see the Mourinho squad as a, a good one. But uh, I'm uh, I'm interested to see what uh, Rodrigo Conceição can do, and uh, I think uh, he could become one of the key players for them this season.
0: Definitely agree. And you also had Philippe Suarez, who was benched, um, but another very good talent. Uh, some, some very interesting players in that team, Ibrahima Kamara, um, Abdu Conte. I think that they will fight against relegation, but, um, but I, I, I think that they have, they, they, they have enough quality in their squad to stay up. We'll see what happens, though. Um, so moving on, though, I want to I go to another match on Saturday, the final match on Saturday, which was Aruka against Vitoria de Guimaraes. So, Vitoria de Guimaraes taking the lead early on via goal from Ricardo Quaresma, um, going up 2-0 via goal from Thiago Silva, but Aruca quickly equalizing, um, from Odaita Bag and, and eventually, uh, or, sorry, quickly having the scoreline via goal from Odaita Bag and then equalizing in the 94th minute via goal from Luis Pedro de Freitas Pinto Trabulo. Um, I think that this was, you know, taking away the first the the final fifteen minutes. I think that this was definitely uh, one of Vitoria's better performances under Pepa. I think that we saw a lot of the 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 the, the team. We saw a lot of the characteristics that we saw um, from the Pasos de Ferreira side that that obviously got European football under Pepa last season. Um, Pepa setting up with a four three three and with with Oscar Stupinian, uh, partnering Quaresma and Marcus Edwards on the flanks, um, midfield of Andre Andre, Thiago Silva, and Tomas Andel. Uh, so so looking at that front six, there is a lot of quality for Pepa to to carry out his system. Overall, what did you, what did you think of this performance from Vitoria and, and their performances in general under Pepa? Um, do, do you think that they have enough to to get in? What I would say their rightful spot of of being in the top five in Portugal.
1: Uh, about uh, Victoria and about Pepa, I think they can achieve top five uh, the fifth place obviously I think that the top four is is obvious obviously <laughs> locked in I guess but uh, i i'm a bit disappointed with their their start to the season uh, there are some some problems in defense attacking they they are not producing the the expected, but um, but I think they will manage to to fix the problems, and I really like Pepper as a manager, so I I also want them to to do well. Absolutely, um, Victoria. Though I think that uh,
0: we you know we've talked a little bit about we talked on, I think on the previous episode about Matush thermal been one of the biggest revelations so far this season, 22 years old Czech goalkeeper and had a really nice start of the season in goal for Victoria, but uh, committing a bit of, I think you say in Portugal, frango, <laughs> a, a pretty big mistake. Um, yeah. you can't just blame Tormaldo. I think that this is, you know, there is so much quality in the front six of Vitória, but the defense, the defense is really where the quality is lacking. Um, you know, we we've seen some promising signs from Abdul Mumin, but in general, I think that Mumin and, and his partnership with with George Fernandes, as well as uh, Rafa Suarez, Isako, uh, as fullbacks, okay, a, a bit a bit stronger than than their central defensive pairing. But I do think that this is this is the biggest weak weak link of the team, the back four. Um, how concerned are you with this with this defense in terms of preventing? Uh, Pepa from, from achieving his goals at Vitoria?
1: Well, a few years ago, I, I rated Rafa Suarez very highly and I thought he would make it that Porto first team, but he got loaned out and uh, eventually he went to Spain and he's back to Vitoria now. But yeah, Rafa Suarez and, and Sakwar are the less less bad players at the 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 Guimarães defense. Jorge Fernandes is a, a liability and I would uh, not start him at Porto B team either. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's the defense is Vitória's main problem and uh, I'm curious to see how, how Pepe will solve or if he will solve these their problems. About their goalkeeper, it was a surprise for me because uh, because at the preseason Bruno Varello would be the, the the obvious starter, but then he got injured, and now we have a fantasy Jew <laughs> G- in our hands because it's it's also very cheap at fantasy games. So I thank I thank him for them for that too. <laughs> Absolutely, I
0: think that you know we touched up a bit about this. Bruno Varela, Bruno Varela, as good as he was last season, he's going to have a very tough time winning the starting spot, start, starting spot back um, from from Turmal. Um I, I do think that George Fernandez will probably be back in starting in defense. George Fernandez will be benched once Tony Berakovic returns from his suspension. Um, not much better. I, I think that Borekovic definitely leaves some, to, some stuff to, des- to be desired, but he is, in my opinion, a better option than George. Um, real quick, though, just finishing off on this Vitoria game, um, Marcus Edwards. Marcus Edwards, one of the most magical players in the league when he is on form. When he is on form, I want to I caution that, when he is on form. Far too often in this time in Portugal, he's just been really inconsistent and uh just just not having the I would say the the consistent performances that will earn you a big move. But uh just just a month after his superb uh, super sub match against Bizella, which he came off the bench and led them to a four-nothing victory, Marcus Edwards coming off coming coming um in the starring lineup and having a really good performance. Five out of five successful dribbles completed. Four key passes, seven out of eight ground duels won, two big chances created, two fouls won. Obviously, the stats don't tell the full story, but this is a player who, who when he is on it, uh, can can light up any defense in Portugal, in my opinion. Um, what do you think of Edwards? Uh, do you think that this could be his year, that he really explodes and and get gets the move
1: that his uh, talent deserves? Well, I haven't got to see much of Marcos Edwards this season, but uh, I will just say that, uh, and his opinion may, may offend some, some Portuguese football fans, but I think Marcos Edwards is overrated big time. Very, very overrated by, by Portuguese football, football fans. In my opinion, he would nowhere near start in Porto if he go sporting. He has the skill, but he's very, as you said, very inconsistent and will produce two or three magic moments through the season and then get benched or get hooked for for the rest of the season. Uh, I, I like him. It's, it's one of the, the streets on Forget player, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think he'll make it at the, the big stage. As who us, no esquecer.
0: That, no, that is fair. I mean... I, I do have to admit that he is quite inconsistent and uh, compare that to a player like Luis Diaz on um, you, you need to be, you need to be pulling off and delivering the goods every week, you know, not just once a month. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing that Edwards needs to work on. Not only just doing that bit, but also just solidifying a starting spot um, because he's been in and out of the team over the past t- uh, one and a half years. So, so we'll see what happens with him. Um, So, Sunday's action, obviously seeing Paso Strupeira drawing to Vizela, Porto destroying Modric, um, and Sporting closing off the weekend with a 1-0 victory over Estorio. So, Sporting um, just a few days after their uh, 5-1 loss to to Ajax, going up against, um, traveling and, and going up against probably in my opinion, the, the biggest revelation of the season, which has been Storio, um, newly promoted team who, who are currently in the top four, currently in fourth place um, under Bruno Pinheiro, who has been rewarded with the Coach of the Year Award. Um, Coach Coach of the Month, excuse me. Um, and, you know, going up against Storil at home, um, I, I I will say though, uh, while I have been very impressed with Pinheiro this season and his work, um you know this isn't just any normal uh newly promoted side, right I think that's 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 that can be seen not only by by their results but by their performance as well. I do think that he went a bit too defensive um in this match on paper, you know Estudio set up like a four two three one but but on the match, it was really more like a line of six, like a defense of six and just, you know, camped into their own box um, and relying on Daniel Figueira, the goalkeeper to, to pull off some incredible saves. Um, overall, I, I just think that they jeopardize their style too much and, and plenty of players, which for me could have been starting like likes of um, Nahuel Ferraresi, Romario Baro, Bruno Lorenzo, a lot of quality players um, having to come off the bench um, what did you make of Bruno Pinheiro's, um setup against Sporting, and in general, what are your thoughts on on how Estoril are doing this season?
1: Well, uh, yes, yeah, Estoril defended with a with a backline of six players, but if you think about it, there was n- nothing much more that uh, Estoril could do to 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 rescue some points against sporting it was a defensive approach but if he i guess if he if he stuck to, to the his main tactics i guess sporting would 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 get three or four more goals it's the real team is an interesting one because it's, i guess their main goal is to is to avoid relegation and they are almost. They almost uh, already did that. But in the in the paper, they have a squad to fight for European uh, European place. In my opinion, Bruno Pinheiro has done a, a really great job there, and uh, I think he, he will do even better this season, and he will surprise some some not more, not too many, not much. Uh, attentive fans of the Portuguese league.
0: Absolutely. Um, as for Sporting, though, um, you know, getting the one nothing victory and leapfrogging Estoril in the league, um, currently level on points with Porto. Um, we saw a pretty, pretty rotated team. Not, not so much rotated as much, uh, you know, quite a few new faces. Um, Gonzalo Inácio continues to be injured. Um, and we saw Luis Neto once again taking up his place on the right side of defense. Mateus Reis, though, um, getting the start over Zuhair Fidal on, on the left side of the back three. Uh, Rice is a player who has definitely earned the ire of, of, of sporting fans with, with some boneheaded uh, performances. But it is clear that Ruben Amorim likes him a lot. And it is also clear that uh, Zuhair Fidal has, has become, has been the weak link of, of this defense for, for quite some time. Um, you know, the Moroccan defender was, was definitely important in, in, in their title, um, in their championship last season, but overall, I I definitely think he's a few notches below, um, Coatz and Ignacio. Um, how, just, just how important though do you think it is for sporting to reinforce their, the central defensive positions. Um, I think that, you know, Eduardo Coraisma's departure to, to Andela on loan has, has definitely left a lot of sporting fans scratching their head. I'm not 100% sure that, that it was, I, I, am I think that Eduardo Coraisma leaving in theory, it, it makes sense. Given the fact that you want him to, to get regular minutes. Um, but it is a bit, I don't know, it is a bit suspect when, when you, you know, let a talent of his caliber leave on loan, um, who, you know, still is quite rock, right? Quite, 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 uh, quite immature and inexperienced. And, and, but it still leaving, letting Quaresma leave on loan and getting stuck with the likes of Fedal and Reis. Um, Do you think that's something, that's a position that they need to be reinforcing in January?
1: Yeah, the the central back position should be sporting main uh, main targets in January, and should have been in this summer too. But Amouring <laughs> sticks to to their opinion, and it's hard hard to convince him otherwise. Uh, but I, I really liked Sporting at the at uh, in the press conference said that uh, suggested that that the Sporting team should press uh, should press with four players instead of three, and uh, we we saw that at Strill with Pohu making the the with Pohu also pressing Sturil's first line, and I guess it was a, a good. Uh, a good, a good uh, change by by Amorim. About the, the centre back uh, position, I like Eduardo Carreira, but I don't think he would be better than Matheus Reis or or, uh, or Fadal, uh, at this point of his career. Yeah, I, I guess it was a, a good, uh, a good decision to send him on loan to Tondela, and I, I I hope he he does well and, and does well there, but. Uh, they should look at the market to to buy a, a first team quality center back or even look at the the free free players right now but i don't think there are any that would fit uh, ruben and Marine's ideas yeah i
0: said before right right just i believe a week before nuno mendes was sold i said that if if sporting do sell mendes uh, they should reinvest that money into a left center back um, to, to upgrade over Fidel and Reis. Um, I don't think that... I think Vinagre certainly is a downgrade. Ruben Vinagre is definitely a downgrade from Nuno Mendes, but I definitely think he has the potential and the ability to, uh, to lock down a starting spot. Still a lot of questions, though, over his defensive ability, and we saw that against Ajax um, you know, it, it is clear that he is an inferior player to Nuno Mendez. but uh, I think that reinforcing the, the central, uh, reinforcing the back three is, is definitely a bigger concern for Sporting. Um, I want to move on though to, to the attack though, um, and specifically I want to talk about Paulinho and Pablo Sarabia. Paulinho, you know, a player who who joined for club record fee. Uh, from Braga in January and you know despite not really convincing he has remained a constant fixture in attack for Sporting really a testament to the the confidence that Ruben Amorim has in him um, and Paulinho uh, you know after a pretty disappointing performance against Porto um I thought was one of was one of Sporting's better performances better performers against Ajax and uh, I thought did quite well against Estorio. Um, What do you think about Paulinho? Do you think that they need an upgrade over him? Um, Do you think that he is good enough to to continue starting for them and, and lead them to another title?
1: Paulinho, it's a difficult case. Obviously a player that costs 16 million euros should bang a lot of goals. But uh, the reality is that doesn't look like the, the main task for him that uh, Amourinho gives him. Uh, so we can say that he's doing a, a good job by Amouring's eyes. The way he links up with the midfield, opening space for the runs of like uh, the likes of Nunes Santos and his passing ability too in my opinion are, are underappreciated by sporting fans. So I don't really think that uh, they 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 should also uh, they should also um, with uh, with Pedro Gonçalves scoring loads of goals they don't they don't need necessarily to upgrade on Paulinho because the the goals task it's it's given to to Pedro Gonçalves so I don't think Paulinho it's the the main problem for Sporting at the moment but yeah but the reality is that, that that the fans will always always demand goals to a to a striker. So it's up to to Paulinho to be mentally strong to to overcome some phases of the season where he won't score goals. I Just want to have a quick
0: uh, shout out as well to João Paulinho for my money the best player on the pitch um, against the Shtrio. Uh, you know, for me, I think that he might just be the the most Underrated player in Portugal right now. Um, I know you have your own thoughts on on Paulinha, but honestly, he is just he has become even more important um, for sporting in midfield after Joao Mario's departure. You know, I think that Mateus Nunes is is a very good prospect, but but he and and he thrives in sort of open matches like the Porto game and and the even the Ajax game to a degree, but against deep blocks like Estoril, he he definitely has he definitely leaves a lot to be desired in comparison to Joao Mario. And I think that's where, you know, Paulinha's improvement in the final third, both in terms of scoring goals and setting up goals, as well as just his passing um, and his ability to, you know, uh, destroy counterattacks and, and regain possession has just been so important for them. Um, but, but yeah, I, I think that Paulinho is absolutely fantastic. And for me, he should be starting uh, for, for Portugal. Uh, what what are your thoughts on Paulinho?
1: Paulinho, I like Paulinho because defensively he's a he's a good player. Although he he doesn't get uh, the yellow cards he he deserved, but yeah, Paulinho obviously is crucial to to Sporting's to the, the Sporting side, and uh, he he would also start for. Portuguese national team, <laughs> but uh, you, you said that Pellegrin is underrated. But I don't think that's the case because even Porto fans, Befica fans, although they compare him to to Ripa or or Julian for example, they I guess everyone in Portugal at this at this point rates Pellegrin very very high.
0: Definitely, I definitely agree with the with the cassette. With with the yellow card point, I think that he's very similar to Casemiro in the fact that uh, he gets away with a lot of a lot of yellows that he should be getting, um, but but yeah, for me, just just so brilliant in in the heart of midfield for Sporting. Um, I just want to finish up on this Sporting Historial game, talking about uh, talking about Pablo Sarabia. Sarabia obviously joining um, from Sporting, joining from Paris Saint Germain as part of the Nuno Mendez deal, um, joining on loan with PSG uh, paying the entirety of his wages, um, making his first start for Sporting in, in, in this game against Estorio. Overall, I thought, you know, very positive. Um, I do have some concerns over how he fits in with Paulinho and Pedro Gonçalves because I think that a lot of those players are, are goal scorers at heart. Um, I think that Ruben Amorim has his cut has his work cut out for him in in getting them all to fit. Um, I think Sarabia, more than being a creative influence for me, he's he's a, more of a player who who will uh, you know play almost as a second striker and and uh, be very very involved with the final third. Um, but I also know the thing is that it's, it's it's no coincidence that Paulinho has improved playing alongside Sarabia. I think that. You know the potential for 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 that link up on the right flank with Pedro Poro, Pablo Sarabia, and Paulinho. I think that's something that, that we'll see a lot more of um, for for Sporting, and and one thing that will definitely give them an extra weapon um, in in attack. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it, and how and if uh, Amorim can can fit in Sarabia, Pedro Gonzalez, and Paulinho into the into the same attack. Um, what are your thoughts? What were your thoughts on Paulinho's on on Sarabia's debut as a starter, and uh, overall, just how important do you think he is going to be in this in this uh, team?
1: About Sarabia, uh, I I think it did uh, well, an average average to good per performance against against Surreal. But I share your concerns about him fitting the team with Pedro Gonçalves back from, from injury. Nuno Santos, in the left, provides some attacking, uh, attacking, attacking, <laughs> I'm missing the word, some good attacking uh, moves, but uh, he's a bit uh, inconsistent. He, and he also is a, a very one-trick pony player. So I I would like to see Pedro Gonçalves playing in the in the left with Sarabia on the right combining with, with Porro. And I think in with the when the, the season go, goes on that will be the, the Sporting's front three. Absolutely. Um I didn't talk about Jovan Cabral, because I think he's he's a bench player to to come in in the 70 minutes of the match if, if needed. Yeah, I don't think he he can be a, a starter for, for Sporting. Yeah,
0: Jovan definitely been more of a super sub uh, under Amarim. Um, he definitely has a lot to provide for them, but um, I, I'm really interested to see how, he shapes, how Amarim shapes up the attack. You've got, you know, the on paper, it looks like it will be Pedro Gonzalez, Pablo Sarabia and Paulinho. But you have other options to, as you said, you know, provide a different profile, like some Tiago um and and Nuno Santos and Jovan, as Bruno Tabata, um, you know, can can offer a little bit more mobility, ability to kind of stretch um, the attack. But moving on to Monday's matches, um, we saw Benfica hosting Boavista, um, Benfica going with a team. Once again, going with their 3-4-3. Three, three, um, only this time with with Rafa Silva. Rafa Silva playing on the right flank. Um, I have to say, you know, I think that 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 it's almost gotten lost in, in other players' performances. But Rafa is having a very good start to the season um, for Benfica. He's been incredibly important. Didn't get, didn't get a goal um, against Boavista, but... I think we're definitely seeing some some great for him form uh, from the Portuguese winger. There were reports that 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 uh, Benfica rejected a thirty million offer from Zenit for him. Um, overall, you know, he he definitely does his does deserve his praise um, for for how good he has been so far. Um, what do you what do you think of of Rafa's role under Jorge
1: Jesus? About Rafa, I think this will be the season that uh, we we see the the best from from him. He, last seasons, he he got some goals, got some assists, but uh, then again, he he was a bit of uh, inconsistent, like uh, like the seasons before. And I think that if uh, Rafa keeps this this form and these good matches, even not scoring or or, or, assisting, he he definitely is one of the, the best players in in the league.
0: Moving on, though, I mean to to the looking at uh, the the previous match, we saw a stalemate between Benfica and Dynamo Kiev, um, and you know George Jesus going with quite a few changes to this lineup, sticking with the three four three, but um, Darwin Nunes coming in for Everton. Um, Ribeiro after the Brazilians' ineffective performance on the left flank, uh, Diogo Alves getting uh, the the start over Gilberto, and um, and Lucas Verissimo coming in uh, for Morato. I don't think there. I, I think that Morato is is a very very good um, defender, and I think he will challenge for for a starting spot. But right now, I definitely think that Verissimo Vertonghen and Otamendi is going to be the the starting back three whenever they are available to play together. Um, but looking at the other, looking at the other, um, looking at the other uh, changes to this lineup, Darwin Nunes getting the start on on the left side of attack, playing alongside Roman Yaremchuk and Rafa uh, Julian Weigel partnering Joao Mario in the double pivot. Diogo Gonçalves and Alcrimaldo on at, at wing backs and Odysseus Vlachodimos as as the goalkeeper. Um, do you think that this is Benfica's strongest
1: lineup at this point of the season? I think I think it is, and uh, it's the, the starting eleven. The starting eleven of Benfica, I guess, it's almost uh, defined. And uh, the only doubts that uh, George Jesus could have it's the, the the right uh, right wing back and the, the left winger positions. But with Everton sibling having so many poor performance and Darwin scoring some some goals and getting some good performance, I guess Darwin will definitely keep his place for the the next important match. But at the same the same time, I just can't rate Darwin that's so high that uh, she, he should be an uh, unquestionable starter. Even more considering he cost twenty four million euros. But uh, but I believe he has the potential to become a, a really good uh, striker or left striker. I don't know <laughs> the the position he really played yesterday, but but he needs to improve like his finish and uh, also also related to to some weak mental attributes from him uh, about Diogo Gonçalves I like him and I when fit he's the the best uh, for the right wing back position for Benfica but uh, he has some physical problems so I I I see Jorge Jesus also rotating very much in that position with uh, with Gilberto doing some some surprisingly good performance and uh, uh Lazaro also coming in the 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 last days off the window I think uh, the right wing back position will be the the most rotated one on this Benfica Benfica side
0: and just um you know just I I mean so so looking at looking at this game um you know Benfica taking the lead early on via Darwin Nunes um Boavista, though, coming close to, to scoring the long shot from Gustavo Sauer. And then right after Vlachar Dimos's very impressive save, we saw Gustavo Sauer score, in my opinion, the goal of the season uh, in Portugal so far. And definitely one of the best goals in, in Europe's top six leagues so far this season. Just an absolute firecracker um, of a finish. Um, and, 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 you know, if you haven't watched yet, check it out. Um, just a quick word though, on on Gustavo Sauer. Um, you know, Brazilian player, uh 28 years old. I thought one of one of their more uh important p- performers in attack last season. And I think with you know, with so many players such as Ricardo Mangasgan and 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 Albert Ellis um leaving, I definitely think he he has a more important role to play. Obviously not a great result for, for Boa Vista, but 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 talk to me about uh, Gustavo Sauer.
1: As you said, Gustavo Sauer, with uh, with so many Boavista players leaving, I guess he he will become the the key player for the for them to succeed this season. And if I'm not mistaken, last uh, last game week he also scored a, a really good really good goal for Boavista. So try check check it out. <laughs> But yeah, the Bobista side is an interesting one because with a kind of sort of little partnership last season, they created a good squad on paper. But then fight uh, fought a relegation battle, surviving in the the last uh, match day, I think. And this this year with uh, with what I think a good manager in João Pedro Souza I think they will they will do a, a better better championship and get some, some good results. They they played well they, they, they didn't get the points at uh Stadio de Luz, but they they played well for uh for a team like uh, of the the boobiest, uh size. Gustavo Sauer currently with
0: uh three goals um tied with Meritaremi, Andre Luis, Ricardo Horta. Tony Martinez and Pedro Gonçalves and Yuri Medeiros um, as the fourth top scorer in, in Liga NOS with three goals. Um, the one two players ahead of them though, Fran Navarro on Gil Vicente, who's enjoying a very impressive season in, in Barcelona so far. Um, and Darwin Nunes. So the top three, top three goal scorers in, in Portugal are all Spanish speakers. Luis Diaz, obviously number one with five goals so far. Ron Navarro and Darwin tied at second. Um just real quick b- before we move on, talk to me about Darwin. I mean, two, this is, I believe it was his third start in the league. Um, third start in the league under George Jesus, and a second brace. The first one was against Santa Clara. This time, though, getting getting a brace against Boavista. There were some rumors that, you know, after after becoming just, just just less than a year after becoming the most expensive transfer in in, in Liga Nosh history that he would join Brighton. Um, the move didn't materialize. I would believe I think in part due to the fact that Benfica sealed uh, entrance sealed their entrance into the Champions League group stage. Another really impressive performance um against against Boavista. Uh what are your expectations for Darwin this season? I mean, obviously this this He's he isn't necessarily a a left winger, but I would say he's playing more of an inside role. And I, I think that, given the disappointing form of of Everton, um, I think that he has the, the potential to to carve out a starting spot over likes of Everton, Rodrigo Pino, and Gonzalo Ramos in this team. Um, what 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 do, you, what do you make of Darwin so far?
1: About that—that's uh, if true. Offer from Brighton in the summer for 30 million. If I was Costa uh, or Luis Pierre, I don't know who was in charge of uh, of Benfica at the, the the moment of the the offer from Brighton. I I I would accept often. I don't think Darwin is is near of. Uh, of being valued at uh, 30 million, and should be a, and would be a really good uh, good offer for Benfica to accept. Then again, I I understand that Jorge Jesus wants to to keep him because uh, it looks like Jorge Jesus trusts him, and uh, he he's becoming more adapted to 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 his ideas and to the the Portuguese league and uh, so on. As I said, Darwin has some some liabilities to his match, but uh, he has the potential to to become a, a really good uh, good striker. I would like to see him playing the the nine role in the place of Yaremchuk. But then again, in the the left for the left finger position, Benfica doesn't have that uh, that much depth, and uh, I I understand that uh, that if he keeps playing there with uh, with Diarm and Gonzalo Ramos and Pingo up front.
0: Absolutely. Um Benfica one of three teams in in Europe's top 6 leagues that have won every single league match so far. Um alongside Paris Saint-Germain and Napoli, they've won 6 out of 6, uh, have scored 16 goals, only conceded 3. Uh, Just a phenomenal start for them um, after last season's disappointment. Um, Currently four points ahead of both Porto and Sporting, who who already have quite a bit of ground to make up. Um, Benfica uh, going to face off against Vitoria de Guimaraes on Saturday, whereas Porto are are playing uh, Gil Vicente on Friday. Um, Sporting, on the other hand, Taking uh, going up against Maricimo, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with those. Um, Moving on though to the final final match in in this in this match week, we saw Braga going up against Fondela at home. Um, Another another very uh, shaky performance from Carlos Carvalhal's side. Overall, uh, in in the past few weeks, it has been sort of a I would say a common theme. Their, their lack of efficiency in attack and 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 also just taking time to get to get accustomed um, and, and taking time to grow into the game and and score we we've seen this plenty of times uh, this season um, opening match we saw that Raúl Silva and and Ricardo Orta uh, leading them to a victory over Maridima via goals after the 60th minute uh, the game against Sporting. They only scored after Mateus Rice's red card, uh, with Abel Ruiz grabbing a goal. It wasn't enough, obviously. Um, and we also saw this Boraga uh, drawing to Vitória de Guimarães in a stalemate, um, and drawing once again to Pasos Chapeira, then losing to to uh, to Red Star Belgrade in the Europa League, um, grabbing a goal in the seventy six minute from Wanderson Galeno. Uh, and but eventually uh, losing um, via penalty from Alexander Katai. Braga, on this occasion, um, going up against Tondela, who are currently bottom of the league with three points. Um, Braga setting up with, with a bit of an interesting shape, shape, more of like a four two three one 2 3 one which is somewhat of, a, of an interesting shape compared to what we've seen a lot of from Carvalhal. Uh, who's, who's often gone with, uh, with a back three. Um, what did you make of this setup from, from Carvalho? You know, switching to kind of a, a, a four-man back line with Jan Kuto, Nuno um, and, and Ricardo Orta, and Fabio Martins, partnering Chiquinho and Abel Riz in the attack. Um, yeah. <laughs>
1: About Braga, I saw them in Europa League and now against Sandela, and all I saw in both matches is problems for Carvalhal to, to solve. Defensive problems with, in my opinion, Diogo Leite being the only reliable centre-back available right now. In midfield, they have Al who will do well as usual, but they lack some creativity and I don't think Chiquinho will solve those, those problems. And uh, up front, they just don't have a, a striker who can score goals on a on a regular basis. Mario Gonzalez did well at uh, at Tondela, but uh, he hasn't been up to the, the challenge at Braga. And about Avel Ruiz he's well, he's he a bit mid, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the the Braga the Braga squad is so much better, for example, than Vitorius or, or passes. So I don't think they will they will lose the the first place and but yeah Carvalhal surely has a lot of work to do <laughs>
0: definitely agree i mean i think braga in my opinion they had the best transfer window on paper in in portugal um but the question isn't necessarily did they have it i mean that's that's subjective obviously they have the best window in europe the question i think is is is, is also does this elevate the quality of our squad and does this get them? Does this allow them to break into the top three? Based on what we've seen so far this season, I don't think that they aren't that they are going to break into the big three. Overall, um, we we have seen I think a lot of um, players who who have come and have left a lot to be desired. Um, but Braga, you know, a very a very similar pattern. Plenty of quality both in the starting lineup and in the attack, but. There was so much, such a lack of efficiency in the final third. Um, how do you think, uh, think Carvel Yal fixes this?
1: Well, <laughs> it's a difficult question. <laughs> and I think Braga uh, fans should think for me not uh, not <laughs> not, uh, not having to solve that, that problem. But I'm curious to see how the right-back Yan Koto does because he's a good young prospect and I, I think that uh, he could solve some problems in their chance creating up front and uh, the, some defensive, defensive reliability of their, their back line at the moment. But yeah. Then again, it's just alone from Man City. So next season, there, there, there will be the, the problem again for to to solve. But uh, Ian, I'm uh, I, I have some uh, some interest to see Jan Koto and how he, he does that here at Portugal.
0: Koto definitely, I think he is, He has already made. Um, he, he has already in many ways made that right back spot his own. And I think it will also allow Braga to potentially shift to that back four. Um, obviously, Braga losing Ricardo Schaio to Sporting is a big loss. But getting Kuto on loan, I think, is, is, is very important as well. Um, Braga, though, you know, drawing 0-0 zero zero at halftime, probably re- uh, didn't take too long to react. And Andre Orta uh, for Lucas Mineiro, Mineiro joining in the summer from, from Gil Vicente. Um and Galeno on for fellow summer signing Chiquinha, who joined on loan from Benfica. Um just a few minutes later we saw Mario Gonzalez uh go on, come on for his compatriot uh Abel Ruiz. Mario Gonzalez obviously having a phenomenal season on loan at Tondela before joining Braga on a permanent uh permanent deal. I thought I felt he was quite a bit shaky. Um, and and wasted a lot of good goal scoring opportunities, um, but it wasn't until the 63rd minute where Yuri Medeiros came on for Fabio Martins and uh, really ended up s- stealing the show um, for for Braga, grabbing the opening goal in the 81st minute, which uh, I think was was a combination actually of the super of of, of three substitutes of Mario González uh, Andre Horta and Yuri Medeiros if I'm not mistaken um, Braga quickly going up 2-0 via goal from uh, Ricardo Horta uh, we said pl- plenty of times just how good he is um, it was a bit of a funny goal I think that somebody should have told Tondela defenders that you can't be offsides on a throw-in <laughs> um, but but Tondela making it two to one, the goal from a uh, Wolvesloney, Renat Dadashov, um, and, and finally Braga sealing victory in the 90th minute with the goal from Yuri Medeiros. So if you were watching this game and, and tuned out and, and stopped watching after the 80th minute, uh, I feel sorry for you. I apologize. Um, overall, though, um, a decent result for Braga. Uh, perhaps not the best performance, but... But but still a, a good three points. Um, talk to me though a little bit about Yuri Medeiros though. So that's that's three goals for him uh, in in Braga this season. You know was very impressive uh, l- last season under Carvalho before picking up a a really bad injury. Um, how how important do you think Medeiros is going to be? Do you think that this is going to be really the year that that he becomes? Um, the, the player that we've we've been we've been hearing about since really six years, right? It's it's been six, five or six years since since he broke onto the scene for Sporting, had a few loan spells and and weird moves to like of Genoa and Legia Warsaw and Nuremberg. Coming in clutch though against Tondela um, and leading them to victory. Do um, so you think that he has what it takes to become a starter under Carvajal?
1: Uh, about Thierry Medeiros, it was a shame the, the last season injury because he was having uh, an exciting few matches for Braga and uh, he was uh, a main starter for for them. And I like him. He was uh, he got loaned out to Germany uh, a few years ago, but uh, but I I think he he can become a, a starter for Braga. But then again, the the good thing about Braga squad it's their their depth, their the squad depth uh, up front. If they don't have uh, Fabio Martins, they have Galeno. If they they don't have Galeno, they have they have Yuri Medeiros to to solve the game. And uh, on the wings, I I think Braga is uh, have uh, some good players that uh, that can can help Carvalho.
0: Absolutely. Braga, currently fifth um, after that win against Tondela. Tondela, on the other hand, bottom of the league, uh, level with with Bell and Inch Saad with three points, as well as Famalica and Murrench, who also have three points. Uh, I do think that you know, losing Mario Gonzalez is, is a massive blow for them. Um, they are going to, I think they are definitely going to struggle to stay up. Um, any, any closing thoughts on Tondela?
1: Yeah, uh, Tondela fans. If there there are any out, <laughs> there, any hearing us talking about them, uh, Tondela fans have reasons to to be to be worried. Their their defensive performance against Braga was a shambles, man. That considering a goal f- by a, <laughs> from a throw in, you can have that in the the first division, man. <laughs> Fix that that up, man. Yeah.
0: One hundred percent. We're going to close off today's episode by with with our talent of the week section, as usual, talking about our talent of the week. Um, I'm going to start off. I'm going to I'm going to go with a player who is not playing in Portugal but who is Portuguese, um, and he had an absolutely massive performance on Monday. That player is Luis Luis Maximiano. So Luis Maximiano. Um, uh, came through Sporting's academy ranks, and um, had, you know it looked like he he had the potential to fill the uh, to to become the long term number one uh, for Sporting in goal after Rui Patricio's departure to Wolves. Um, and eventually was starting for for them, but uh, but but found his found his starting spot usurped um, from by by the arrival of Antonio Adan on a free transfer from Atletico. Adan, absolutely superb in, in Sporting's uh, title victory. And it forced Maximiano to, to end up joining Granada um, on a permanent transfer uh, for about 5 million euros, replacing a fellow Portuguese goalkeeper, Rui Silva, who joined the Real Betis, um, on, a, on a free transfer. Maximiano, you know, still early days in, in Granada, but he has been very, very good um, joining on a four-year loan uh, for a four-year contract um, and, and done very well. Um, and, and the best performance, though, that he's had so far uh, came against Barcelona. Um, uh, get, allowing Granada to, to take a one-to-one draw, wasn't able to, to keep out uh, the final goal from, from, from Ronaldo Araujo um, to, to give Barcelona a point. But fantastic performance, five saves, um, one save from close range, uh, two high claims, and one out of three accurate long passes. Um, overall, very impressive performance from Maximiano. And, and another stat, he is the goalkeeper with the highest, um, the highest average of saves per game in the top five leagues with six saves per game um, amongst goalkeepers with, with over two games played. Um, I don't think that sporting, I, I, I don't think that it should be a case of like the one that got away, because if, if you ask me if I'd take a or Maximiano, I'm taking a any day, what he did, uh, what, what he not only did for them in their title win, but, but what he is currently doing, um, for them this season cannot be understated. Um, I think that he is a better goalkeeper than Maximiano, but, I'm very glad to see him. I'm very glad to see Luis Maximiano thriving um, in Granada, replacing another Portuguese goalkeeper. And uh, at 22 years old, already already showing that you know he has the potential to, I, I would say, get into the Portuguese squad in a few in a few years. Um, real quick, what are your thoughts on Maximiano?
1: Mm, yeah, I, I I also like uh, Maximiano. He in 2019, he was a, a starter for Sporting, and he did some some good games. But with Adan, with Adan being being uh, brought in, he, he he simply just wouldn't get any any game time. And uh, moving on to, to Granada was the, the right the right choice. I don't think he will be Portugal's number one because Diogo Costa exists, but he <laughs> surely can get into the the Portugal national team.
0: I agree with you. I think that Costa is is the long term successor to Rui Patricio, but um but overall I think that he has the potential to to get into the Portugal squad in a few years. Um or potentially this season if he continues like this. Um who is your talent of the week,
1: Luiz? If you follow me on Twitter you won't be <laughs> surprised with my, my cho- with my choice, but I'm going with uh, with Vitinga from from Porto, <laughs> he's just my favorite player of this Porto squad, and and Conceição should thank all gods in worlds for for Wolverhampton not uh, not paying the, the the buy clause option on his loan. Vitting has fair technique, man. He has got everything in what uh, a midfield should uh, he should have. He showed that against Morales and I hope he gets more opportunities to to do so. think if you are hearing this, I love you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, Vitinha, just close off on this episode. I mean, Vitinha, I think that, you know, I, I've criticized Sergio Conceição a lot in terms of his um, just failure to bet in and give chances to, um, to, to Porto Olival Academy products. But, you know, Diogo Costa, obviously it took an injury from Agustin Marcassin to, to win a starting spot. João Mario currently starting at right back for Porto. Um I wonder though, if Conse Sao maybe has seen the light and, and realized that you know these academy talents are very good and they deserve chances consistent chances in in the first team um i, I think that you know I, i'm not I'm not super convinced that he's going to end up starting, but um you know after after missing out on that permanent move to wolves, I think that Conse Sao has realized that potentially you know this, this player has a lot to offer this team. And um I I really do hope that he is starting. I think that when you compare him to the likes of uh Sergio Oliveira, Bruno Costa, um obviously Sergio Oliveira was, was one of Porto's more important players last season, but I think that looking at the potential that Vitinha has, I think that he's uh just too good to be riding the bench. Um I don't know if it do you do you think that Vitinha can and win a starting spot this season under
1: Conceição. Yeah, in my in my opinion, Vitinga should 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 start and is the the best midfielder in the the Porto squad. I like Sergio Oliveira and he did really well last season. But uh, I also think Porto, Porto should have uh, cashed in on him uh, this summer because he won't uh, get uh, any better from from last season, and he already showed uh, this season had, that he's a uh, a bit, uh, a bit weak. <laughs> Don't, I, I want to disrespect him, but, uh, he Viting at the moment and, uh, Uribe and uh, even even are, are better options than Sergio Oliveira for the, the, the midfield spots. Absolutely.
0: Um, thank you so much, Luis, for coming on. It was a real pleasure. Thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, We had an absolute ball talking Portuguese football and and make sure to check out Luis's personal account um, as well as B242 Must Follows on Twitter. Um, Anything else you want to say, Luis?
1: Well, thanks, Zach, for the the invite. And I hope that everyone who listened to this episode had a a nice time like I did talking with you and follow (laughs) B24. Thank you. Definitely not the last time you're going to be on this
0: podcast, no doubt. Thank you so much, everybody. Make sure to uh, like and subscribe for Taline-ish, Um and we will see you guys next week.